The following program is furnished by Startup Nation Media Group. All right, welcome to this edition of Startup Nation Radio. As always, this show is all about helping getting you informed and inspired to start a business of your own, perhaps grow your existing business if you're already a small business owner. And we love having Norm Pappas on co-hosting with us, and we've got him again today. Norm, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Good good to have you, Norm. You always bring good wisdom. And another thing you always bring, Norm, are great guests. You've put together an amazing uh, set of guests we've had over the last few months and years even. And uh, we really appreciate it, Norm. And today's no exception. We've got a couple of great guests on today. Before we get into it, Norm, anything burning on your mind that we need to cover before we get to our guests? No, actually, I think we can learn from the guests as to how are they handling all of the illnesses and doing business. And we have two great women business owners that actually succeeded taking the businesses over from their fathers. But the messages, first we'll have Jennifer Klug, and she's got three different businesses, National Business Association, a local one, and Court Magazine. And then Jana Brownell. So uh, very good. could get right into Jennifer's background, if you like. Let's do it. Jennifer, welcome to Startup Nation Radio. Uh, thanks, Jeff. It's wonderful to be here. And hi, Norm. Nice to have you join me on this. Yep. Well, it's great, yeah. to, great to have you. I've known about you in the business community for a long time. Jennifer, you're doing great things. It's so funny. Norm says you have three businesses. That's a hallmark of an entrepreneur. <laughs> you just can't get enough, right? I mean... It, it, it's it's almost a disorder, isn't it? It is. You know, it's so funny. It is almost a disorder. I love that. Almost, right. Uh, a disorder. That's great. So, Jennifer, let's tee up these three businesses that you have. Maybe you could break it down for us. Uh, what's keeping you busy these days? Tell us about these three businesses. Well, I have the fortune to help other businesses in my job, and, and I couldn't be more grateful. So, here in Michigan, we're known as Mish Business. We're formerly the Michigan Business and Professional Association, and we help small and medium-sized businesses grow and flourish. We have a lot of education that we do, training, guides, you name it. Um, and um, that was really the base business that we grew from. And uh, here locally in Michigan, we have Corp Magazine and Print. Uh, that goes to CEOs across the state of Michigan. But we expanded. When we expanded, we took Corp with us, and uh, we're also a national digital publication along with our national association. So we started here in Michigan, grew our operations outside of Michigan, and outside of Michigan, we're the National Association for Business Resources along with Corp Magazine. And we do uh, the best and brightest competitions across the country. We're in 17 markets. Uh, with those programs. So the best and brightest companies work for and the best and brightest in wellness. And it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Well, Jennifer, for those out there listening who are thinking about starting a business and wanting to learn about, you know, the business that you are in, you've told us what you do and what these businesses are. But from a business standpoint, how are these businesses monetized? You know, how does it work? Where does the money come from? What are you selling? You know, break it down a little bit more for us so people can understand exactly what you do. Right. Well, and that's the thing now is a good time to ask that question because a lot of businesses are pivoting right now. We're helping businesses pivot their operations. But uh, in addition to that, we're pivoting our operations too. You know, we can't do business events this year. Everybody, so, everybody. Um, this is the, 
Pivot yeah, I is know, right? pivots <laughs> the year. Uh, excuse me, the term of the year. Uh, that's for sure. Pivot, indeed. It, you know, some some slightly a slight left turn. Others very dramatically. Yeah. Uh, but everybody's having to pivot. So go ahead. So you're when you say you help businesses, I have a yeah. question. So when you say you're helping them, how do you charge? You know, how does the biz? What's the business part of this? So you have someone you're helping. They pay you for consulting, or tell tell us how it works. Well, we have all kinds of tools and services. And depending on what they need, we charge for those services. For example, we do leadership training. If they need the training, they pay for the class. If we um, have any of our events or programs, uh, sometimes we score them and they need reports, we charge for those reports in the scoring process. So it really just depends on which program. But I'll tell you, in the past 12 months, uh, we made a decision that we were going to help as many people as possible. Uh, we were the experts. We are the front line for the business community, and we were going to help as many people as possible. So we put a plethora of programs together. Uh, we listened to all of our 17 boards, what's going on, what are their needs. We launched a um, series of COVID resources. We even helped match on PPE uh, and making those connections. We helped advise on the P3 loans, payroll uh, protection um, loans. So we kind of dropped what we were normally doing and helped with the immediate needs of the business community. Uh, and in addition to that, then after COVID, there was all this racial tension in our country. So we helped teach businesses how to handle that. We produced a racial justice guide for C-suite, uh, HR teams, and employees on how to have dialogue and how to better understand what's happening. And uh, then we also launched a workplace well-being guide um, to help people with understanding mental health right now. Parents mm. that are struggling to juggle everything between digital school and, and work. There are so many issues right now. Uh, and we launched a series of town halls on all these subjects, uh, webinars, workshops, you've named it. And quite honestly, we are doing that um, without asking for money. We're just trying to get the business community through it. Yeah, you've got your hands full for sure. How businesses have, as you say, this diverse and, and dramatic set of needs today. What a year, 2020. What an incredible year. <laughs> Unbelievable. Norm, yeah. Norm, I know we want to hear, uh, we've heard about Jennifer's business now. I'd love to hear about Jennifer's background, how she got into business, uh, mm -hmm. and some of the challenges and maybe even the benefits of being a woman in business, leading a you know really successful business as you are, Jennifer. We want to hear about that. We're going to run to a quick break. When we come back, we'll learn a bit more about you personally, Jennifer, and pick it up from there on Startup Nation Radio. Stick with us. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. We've got Norm Pappas on with us. Love having Norm, as always, co-hosting the show. And we've got Jennifer Klug on successful entrepreneur sharing her story, telling us about her business. Norm, I know you had a point you wanted to make, and then we'll learn a bit more about Jennifer as well in this segment on Startup Nation Radio. Go ahead, Norm. Yeah, Jennifer provides lots of services, but people could be part of her association, and she interfaces with lots of business owners. So Jennifer has a lot of wisdom, even though she's young. Uh, Jennifer, how <laughs> many businesses are you interfacing with and how can they be part of your association? So it's, it's funny that you brought that up, Norm, because I wanted to know uh, because of all these new services. So we did a little study on the imprint that we were making. And in one month alone, we touched 115,000 
businesses and individuals across the country, whether it was attending one of our workshops or receiving our resource guide or reading some of our articles. So I'm just tickled pink Mm. (laughs) with the impact that we've made and um, just really, really um, feeling fortunate that we were able to help so many. That's amazing. That's terrific. Yeah, it is terrific indeed. Now, Jennifer, what can you tell us a little bit about what led you to be in, in the business that you're in today? So the interesting thing is, is that I come from a long line of successful business people. My grandfather on my mom's side was self-made a successful attorney. And he always instilled on us what success meant, and we had to do better than the generation before us. On my dad's side, my grandfather on that side of the business, uh, of the family um, came over with, you know, $5 in his pocket. Mm. <laughs> and then my dad became a self-made uh, business success story. So I have it on both sides of the family. But it's, it, the funny thing is, is I didn't want business growing up. We want to hear, what was it for you when you were growing up? I wanted to be an archaeologist. I oh, wanted to go into the sciences. Really and, interesting. Uh, my business family heard that and said, wouldn't business be better? You could do that as a hobby. There you go. Well, you're certainly financially probably in better shape as a result. Your business sounds like it's really, really taking off. So you pointed yourself in the direction ultimately then of getting into business and you've done that. You're making huge contributions to the business community through your business. What has been maybe some of the interesting surprises of being a business leader, owning your own business and and, and some of the challenges you could share. Yeah. If anybody's thinking about being an entrepreneur right now, or they're young and motivated, um, there's a couple life lessons that I'd like to share. The first being is success is a series of failures. You, and the average is, is there's about 10 failed attempts before you get it right. And you have to not take that emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in my older years, what I have learned is intensity is great, but you can, you can be successful without the intensity. You can take the emotion out of the decision-making. And I think it was Warren Buffett that um, became so successful that way. He made all these decisions by taking himself out of the equation, taking the emotions out of it. And specifically for, um, entrepreneurs. That's yeah. interesting. Tell us, what do you mean by taking the intensity? First of all, I know Norm knows nothing about the first one about business is a series of failures. Norm knows nothing about that, but uh, the rest of us out there <laughs> in the entrepreneurial world certainly do. And you're absolutely right about that. You must learn from your failures and you must be ready to confront failure. It is going to happen if you're going to make a decision to become an entrepreneur. It's right. how you react to those failures and respond right. and overcome. That's the key point there. But on the second point you're making, I want to learn more about that. When you say take the intensity out of it, give us some examples Mm -hmm. of what you you mean by that. So a lot of my career, I thought that my intensity was my success formula. I was intense and I was aggressive and I could get things done. I could get it done quickly. I could juggle a lot of things. And I went from one thing to another, to another, another. Um, Now that I'm older and look back at that young lady, the advice that I would give her is, is you can still be tenacious and you can still have ingenuity and you can still work hard, but emotionally, you don't have to be intense. You don't have to take things personal. You don't have to um, worry so much about everyone and everything. 
So that would be my advice is to have fun, have fun. So uh, my daughter, uh, I had her uh, shadow me for a few um, of our programs when we had our events in person and we were traveling and I was about to get up on stage and she goes, she looks at me, she goes, have fun, mom. Oh, and I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, How could I forget? Let right? me, let me ask you a fundamental question. You can't have fun unless you authentically and genuinely love your business. I know this is a leading question because I know you do, but you do love what you're doing, right? You do. So you might as well, I do. so enjoy I it, do. right? Yeah. And, and the thing that I love about what I do, and, and I, when I went to my undergrad program, I was in human resources. and my graduate program, I was in strategic planning and marketing. Um, but I wanted, I, I left Chicago to come back to Detroit because I wanted to help people. And I was working for an advertising agency. I loved the job. It was a lot of fun. But at the end of the day, I wasn't helping people. Um, so in this job, we help people through their employer and through their employment and through their career. And that's very important to people to be successful. And I, I feel very grateful that I'm we're able to do that, which gives me great joy. Right. Great. Gives you great joy, which further fuels you the gratification that comes from what you're doing, the feedback, the positive right. feedback. Uh, and I know now, Norm, that's something you do know about. I know you love uh, helping people. And you do. It's amazing how you conduct yourself in business so uniquely in that respect. And I know it fuels you too, Norm. Yeah. Jennifer's got some good lessons here. You know, you, you do learn more from the failures than the successes. You don't want to repeat those things. And then uh, you can't get too high or too low when you're in business. You have to be emotionally mature. So those mm, are two right. good lessons. Those are amazing lessons. And, and so, Jennifer, in the few minutes we have left, now you've obviously learned a lot. You've honed your craft as an entrepreneur. You're leading a successful business. You're reaching masses of businesses that you're affecting positively, uh, as you just mentioned in the study you guys did recently with the over 100,000 businesses you've impacted. Do you still get up every morning with a forward-looking vision and ambition and drive to do more and be more in your business? And if so, what is that? Yeah, more so now than ever. Uh, this COVID experience has taught us a lot. A lot of the top leaders have had to jump into the business and mentor some of the younger folks. And I think that's what I'm looking really forward to. And my next step here is taking all these wonders. I have a fantastic team. I, I love working with them. They've made incredible things happen. And now I want them to be happy and find peace and have fun in their job. So how can I make that happen? So that's my next step. Well, that's a wonderful goal, and it will result, no doubt, as you pursue it, I know, in further fueling your own business success. That's just the way it works. I right. know that's just the way it works. And uh, your passion and dedication to your business and concern for others, uh, I know, flows through everything that you do. Do you have, you know, if you were to paint the picture of your business into the future, do you envision yourself doing other kinds of things? You know, do you broaden and grow the business oh, by yeah. offering more? Or is it, uh, you know, what is the growth plan? So, yeah, we're looking at other best and brightest programs. We're in 17 markets. We have two programs now. What else could we um, help um, score on and, and set standards to what other industries, what other programs like that? So we are actually investigating that right now. Um, we're, I would love to do more video work. Um, and figure out how we can incorporate our, our expertise in video. So there's always dreams. There's always something um, that we can do. And that's 
what makes a small business a little bit more fun than, than the big ones. It's the same amount of work, same, same issues. Actually, but, Jennifer, yeah. you have a book in you. <laughs> Having done all these best and brightest companies, you get yeah. lessons from all of these companies. So in your right. free time, you should be working on a book about all these things you've learned from these businesses. And how all right, you got to help me write it, Norm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but we do have a guide. We do have a guide on best practices of the best and brightest companies. So we have published that through Corp. So if anybody wants that, let us know. Well, I think that's great. And and Jennifer, in the limited time we have left, tell us how people can reach you if they're a business wanting to tap your wisdom and experience and uh, get guidance from your company. How do they do that? Sure. I think the easiest way is to go to thebestandbrightest.com. Uh, and then you'll have links to some of our other uh, websites. We Corp Magazine is corpmagazine.com and missbusiness.org. So okay. the best and brightest.com, corpmagazine.com, and missbusiness.org. Well, wonderful. Continued great success. I know you'll have it. I can see you're enjoying, you're loving your business and executing it beautifully and making a great impact. Norm, any, any closing thoughts? No, I think her magazine, Jeff, has uh, a magazine too. The two of you should talk. <laughs> okay. Jeff, I'm open to that. Jennifer, <laughs> we, ha- we have a lot of ground to cover. Uh, we do indeed, and I look forward to that. Thank you so much for being on StartupNation.com and sharing uh, your story and the story of your business. We appreciate it very much. Thank you. And we'll be back with more on Startup Nation Radio right after this break. All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. We've just heard from Jennifer Klug and her amazing entrepreneurial story. And Norm, I know we've got more gunpowder on this show for sure. We've got another great entrepreneur to offer up. Why don't you do the introductions, Norm? Yes, Jana Brownell will light the way for us. She has been president <laughs> okay. of the was, company, right. Erlen. It's a 125-year-old company. Jana's got great educational experience, but great practical experience in this business and be interesting to learn what they do. Norm, it's a lighting company. I love that. She's going to light the way. And indeed, we know she will. Jana Brunel, welcome to Startup Nation Radio. Thank you very much, Jeff and Norm. Hey, it's great to have you on. Your company is the Curlin Company. It's just a little startup, been around a little while, maybe like uh, 125 years or so. Is that right? It is. We're 125 years young. It's 125 years young. Well, we love those kinds of stories. This company has staying power. It has staying power for good reason, sells great product and has great leadership. You now lead the company. Are you fourth generation? Is that right? Um, yes, I am the fourth generation. My great-grandfather founded the company in 1895. Then my grandfather, Ivan, my father, John, and now me. Wow. And now you, indeed, and under your leadership, the company is doing dynamic things as it's done in the past. First, tell us just generally and broadly about the company itself, what you guys do, what you sell, and so on. Well, we are headquartered in Detroit, Michigan, uh, in the Rivertown area, and we design here on our campus and manufacture here lighting fixtures for commercial and um, healthcare applications. So all of our R&D is here at Curlin in Detroit, as well as our manufacturing. So we truly are American-made. And you, I have to imagine, I mean, there's pressure no matter what in entrepreneurship, uh, no matter how you get to a leadership position. But 
in your case, taking over a long-standing, successful family company and taking the the reins, taking the lead of that company, it has its own set of unique pressures associated with it, no doubt, I'm sure. However, in your case, it wasn't really just nepotism. It wasn't because you were a family member and you were the only one available to lead the company. I can say in, in reading about your past, you earned it. You've got an MBA from Harvard, no less, and are well-equipped. You actually didn't start with the company when you started in business. You started with another company. And then uh, I think in 86, was it? You started with Curlin and found your way, worked your way, earned your way to the top spot. Well, thank you, Jeff. Yes, I joined the company in 1986 after having had a career, an early career, in the healthcare industry. I was a research chemist initially, then I went into direct sales, and eventually with Baxter, I was involved with international product uh, management and the management, excitingly, of the very first biotech project that Baxter had ever undertaken, and that was to synthesize the human protein that hemophiliacs lack, because hemophiliacs had been exposed, unfortunately and tragically, to various contaminants from human plasma being the source of the protein that they lack. So by avoiding hepatitis and AIDS, the hemophiliac population has a much healthier lifestyle today. And it, I was in, uh, because of my background in biochemistry, I was able to uh, help Baxter by managing that project to bring that product through the uh, R&D phase and regulatory affairs and uh, launched it a number of years ago. But that was my background at the time. And I had the opportunity to come back to Detroit to the Curlin Company, and I did so uh, frankly, because I had a tremendous amount of respect for my father and his efforts, and I could understand how our lighting could make a big difference in the healthcare market. And that's the direction that I've taken the company to. We still have our architectural lighting division, and we are constantly doing product development and innovation there, but we have a second branch uh, where my passion really lies, and that is in healthcare lighting. I want to go back because I think this is a fascinating part of the story. Here you were very successful in your career at Baxter. Were you eyeing a move to your family's company all along? Was that kind of the goal underlying everything you were doing? Or tell us how it actually happened. How did that transformation occur? What was the inspirational moment or the genesis of that move to go from one successful career to then take the helm at the family company? Well, when I came to the Curlin Company, I, I didn't have a sense that I was going to necessarily take the helm, but I wanted to give it my best shot um, to participate and to perpetuate uh, this fine business. Mm -hmm. And um, I was really at a, at a very important decision point in my career because things were going you know, in an exciting way at Baxter, right. and I was probably going to get um, an international position, which I enjoyed the concept of. And I realized that if I were going to make a change, I needed to make it at that time um, because my career path would be much more difficult to divert from um, at that next step. So I made the decision to come back in 1986 and worked with my father and another gentleman, Don Davis, our president, and of course, and all the other uh, colleagues here at Curlin, and started out as a product manager and worked my way up uh, over, over a number of years. 
How old was your dad, Jana, when you came back to work with him? He would have been about 66 years of age. You wanted to learn as much as you could in the remaining working years he had with him. Mm-hmm. I actually looked forward to that. And I'll bet you taught him a thing or two as well, Jana, didn't you? <laughs> you know what I did teach him that's kind of funny for us to think about today? I taught him what a fax machine was. <laughs> uh, well, th- there you go. You know, it is the younger set that brings technology, in, in, right, to, to, to yeah. bear in these companies. And, and I think speaking of that, one of the interesting things you were able to do through your, through your exposure at Baxter in the healthcare field, you were able to broaden the company's product line offerings, or at least the the markets in which the lighting products that you guys make could be utilized. And that was probably, it's probably the hallmark of your leadership of the company, wouldn't you say? I think that's right. Yes, indeed. We, um, I think thinking about our products beyond being just a light and to recognize the opportunity to add additional benefits to whatever an entrepreneur is offering the market is the key to longevity and to always be adding value and sort of reinventing oneself in a uh, systematic, logical growth mode. So we were able to do that by recognizing how critically important lighting is to proper diagnoses, because if the light is distorting color of tissue, the wrong diagnosis might be made. If the light is inferior, not not sufficient illumination for a particular part of the body, Um, The practitioner can't be uh, at the top of his or her game if they can't see what they're doing. And now we are the leaders in providing recessed motorized lighting that keeps the light away from the clinical space. So there is absolutely no introduction of infection as a result of the lighting system. And that is a very important contribution to the well-being of all patients and clinicians, particularly given our world today and the challenges that we have with infection. And the infection happens because you're introducing additional equipment and surfaces and so on in the space. Is that right? Yes, exactly. And doctors will bump their heads against Uh an arm-mounted light in the OR. And when they bump that light, a lot of bacteria becomes mm. airborne and then settles down wow. to the patient's cap, you know, open cavity where the surgery is occurring, for example. But it can also just be breathed in right. uh, in an ICU. Right. Now, at what point did you introduce the idea to the company? Was your father still there leading at that point? Or when was it when you introduced this new product line concept or product application concept to the company? No, my father had retired in 1993, and we worked on the R&D for a number of years um, that led to the patenting of our recessed motorized lighting system for ICU and birthing suite use, and that was launched in the first generation in 1997. And we've just launched the fifth generation uh, this year, and I wanted to mention that the fifth generation of Curlin family members, uh, our son, Chris Brownell, is now involved with the business as well. Wow. So uh, the perpetuation of the company looks to be 
uh, potentially in in very, good hands. Very good hands. In good hands. I'm sure uh, he's. He, I'm sure it's in good hands. I have no doubt, given the, the line of succession, successful succession that the Brownells have been able to establish in leadership for this company. We're going to run to a quick break. When we come back, we want to hear more about your background and your personal journey and experience as a leader of such a significant company. We're going to come back right after this break and hear more from Jana Brownell on Startup Nation Radio. Welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. We've got Jana Brownell on with us. She's leading a successful company right here in our region, the Curlin Company, just a little old startup that's been around for a few years, 125 to be exact, passed through several generations of leadership and now in the good hands of Jana Brownell and uh, leading the company now. Norm, I know you had a question or comment that you wanted to interject here at the outset of this segment. Please go ahead. Sure. So 70% of all businesses fail to get to the second generation. Here you are in the fifth generation. You have to be innovative and you have to differentiate yourself from your competitors. So Jana, how have you done that? That's a great question, Norm. And I think the way that Curlin has done that is that we always follow what the market needs are and we do it in a very nimble fashion. So we jumped on LED technology 20 years ago. We didn't wait for it to be perfected. We knew that it was a a source of illumination that had promise, and it takes guts. It takes the determination to be willing to bushwhack, to be a leader and not a follower. And then we maintain that momentum. Year after year after year, we're constantly improving and innovating and finding additional applications of quality illumination. And we find that the market, we know the market's needs, we provide the solutions, and success begets success. Yes, it does. That's a good point. Well, I know, Jenna, for example, you took the company into the healthcare field. What percentage now of the overall business, roughly, approximately, is that? I mean, it's a meaningful percentage, right? It is. It's it's the majority uh, the majority of the percentage today, because a lot of uh, a healthcare facility is open to the public. So a lot of our architectural products are used in the um, lobby areas, the restaurants, um, ancillary uh, medical office buildings, and the healthcare industry, as we know, is a very significant part in growing because of our population changes with the, <laughs> the baby boomers aging. And so there is a tremendous amount of construction and renovation in these in this particular market. So it is the majority of our sales. And that underscores, given that that's the majority, that certainly underscores your point to Norm's, you know, an answer in response to Norm's question and comment about, you know, really essentially leading to diversification. As a business leader, especially in a company that's been around for 125 years, You've got to stay relevant, and you've got to always be looking for those next opportunities. And as you said, you've got to be bold enough to seize on the opportunity early on, capture market share, be a market leader, 
and you guys have done that so well, so incredibly well. Now, I want to ask too, you are the leader of this great company and, and, and there's some uniquenesses that come with your leadership position, candidly. One is that you're a woman leading a business in this field and two, you're a family member leading this business. Can you give us any kind of perspective and kind of uh, paint the picture for us of you know things that were challenging or certainly there's a lot that's rewarding in being in your spot, but uh, some surpri- any surprises to you in taking that leadership role or anything to share with the audience about your experience? Yes, I think initially I was viewed by my coworkers with a significant degree of skepticism mm-hmm. as to what my abilities were, what my commitment level was, and what would my future role be. And so I had to go through the school of hard knocks to earn acceptance and respect, and I had to also earned that from my father. And my dad did not make it easy on me. I think he intentionally put up roadblocks mm-hmm. to see, you know, what I was made of and how committed I was to every business has ups and downs. And would I ha- have the uh, the backbone to, you know, get through those difficult times. So I think there always is a transition time for any employee anywhere, regardless of, of their family relationship or not to prove themselves. Mm -hmm. And then I believe though, that once um, I hope I demonstrated some of those uh, characteristics of leadership, that my um, being a family member meant a tremendous amount of stability in the company in that I wasn't going to sell the company at the first opportunity or the 20th or the hundredth opportunity because there's a reason for the Curlin company to be in business. And it's not just to sell off the company one day um, to the family. It's the purpose of this business is to perpetuate quality lighting, to be an example of a very well-run business, an ethical business, one where people can build a career. They can move from engineering into manufacturing. They can is a great career path opportunity within our little microcosm. So I think it has the positive side as offering that stability in ownership. It's interesting, Norm. One common thread that we hear from a variety of the successful business leaders you brought on the show is how significant a role values play in shaping these companies, not only who these companies are, but how successful they are. And they lead directly to the success of the company. And just hearing Jana talk about, you know, what the Krillin Company stands for, clearly that's top of mind. It's a major focus. And I have no doubt a big reason for Krillin's success. It's really refreshing to hear that. So many times today when you think about entrepreneurship and startups, you know, you think about young people crafting a business plan, getting a, you know, a a high-tech company out there, maybe an app or a website or this or that, and getting some venture capital and flipping it in three years. And, you know, this is a very different kind and very refreshing kind of business leadership that we're hearing from Jana. And it served you well, obviously, Jana. I'm sure that the employee base has, I'm sure, responded very favorably to this. Well, it helps, too. When uh, Jana and other family members have great success at other companies, they come with credibility. And the values here, they're helping a lot of people. This lighting in the hospitals that can save people from getting sick, those are very significant value things that the employees appreciate being part of. They do. 
they do. There's a lot of pride in what we do. I can imagine that there is. Are there unique programs or ways that you engage your employees to feel that sense of ownership, quote unquote, ownership and pride in the company that you deploy at Curland? Well, we interface. All the departments are here on our campus. And so we interact very closely every day, even in COVID. We all wear our masks, but we are interfacing on a regular basis. And because we're very market-driven, the sales team uh, begins the process of communication with the engineering team. And then we develop new products, new programs um, as a team. So it's very collaborative and interactive, and it comes very naturally. It's a very, I hate to use the term, but organic uh, interaction that occurs within the company, and we get such good cross-pollination of ideas that everybody is swept into that excitement of an improvement or a new application or a new feature. And we, you know, we cheer when we see, you know, orders coming in the door for something that we were hoping was going to, you know, gravitate with the market. And there's our success. And you know, it's a cheap thrill, but that's what keeps us going. <laughs> yeah, uh, a cheap thrill that results in, uh, I'm sure, extraordinary results on the back end that's anything but cheap. So that's really, you know, that, that's the kind of thing that I was looking for you to give an example of. And I think it's very, very powerful, actually, drawing in that employee engagement, making employees at the company feel that sense of ownership and pride that comes with working for a great company like yours. Well, Jana, we, uh, we can't thank you enough for being on and sharing your success story. It's a unique one. It's not often that you get a chance to talk to a leader of a 125-year-old family-owned company. That's an incredible story, and uh, we know great things are ahead for the company. If customers out there want to reach you, how do they do that? The best way would be um, through our website, uh, www.curlin, K-I-R-L-I-N, Lighting, L-I-G-H-T-I-N-G.com. There are many opportunities there to contact us. And we are here in Detroit, um, Michigan, on East Jefferson Avenue. We make a fine cup of coffee. Drop (laughs) in as long as you've got a mask. All right. Thank you so much, Jenna. Norm, great job putting this show together. We really appreciate it. Always great having you on, Norm. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. And uh, enjoy, Jenna. You did a really fine job of explaining what you do. Indeed. Thank you both, and we'll be back again next week with another edition of Startup Nation Radio. The preceding program was furnished by Startup Nation Media Group.